you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B and J Mack are on tap to help us navigate the show. We will open the phone lines up in the last segment. Get your take on some of what we're going to talk about today. I think this is an important um, conversation for us to have. Initially, initially, as I was looking at sort of what we would discuss and, and just thinking through the national conversation that is being um, had around abortion and the question of taking innocent life. You know, I, I was thinking about how much of the discussion is fueled. And, and I'm thinking about Christians, mm-hmm. right, primarily, because that's where it becomes concerning. Like you you expect pagans to do what pagans do, yeah. don't you? Like you expect yeah. that. And you even see opportunities for the gospel to go forth, you know, so that you you tell the truth about who Christ is um, and you shine a light because there's darkness. Mm -hmm. Okay, you shine a light. And so you expect the gospel to be um, presented. You you take those opportunities when you're dealing with people who are um, they have rejected God. I, I almost wanted to say void of the knowledge of God. But Romans one tells us that there's no one who falls into that category. So there's a rejection of God. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But what is troubling Mm -hmm. in the conversations about the taking of innocent life, what is troubling is the amount of Christians who fall into this category Mm. of being a follower. And so as I was thinking about this and I wanted to look at um, some Pew Research data just to sort of talk around this um, concept, this idea, Mm -hmm. um, this truth that while Christians are designed and, and I'm would like to make the case here. Christians are designed to follow. We are at the same time built to lead. Right. Yeah. And it, it seems yeah. like there's a contradiction there. Right. It seems like, <laughs> well, how are you designed to follow, but at the same time built to lead. And, and so I want to, I want to unpack that a little bit before we get into some of the numbers and talk about how we have this conversation in a way that is uh, morally honest. Mm-hmm. Like let's have a morally honest conversation among Christians about what we actually believe about God. Um, because I think that is the, that's sort of like the crux of the issue. You know, the question is, do we believe that God is holy? Um, have we, have we lived in such a way to reflect the holiness of God? Have we lived for the glory of God? I think in many of these conversations that we're having today, some of them are are honestly just a little bit startling to me. Um, you know, as it pertains to Christians, one of the things, and so, so I, so I started to say this, I, I toyed with, you know, um, calling this particular show, this particular episode, um, designed to follow built to lead. Cause I thought, yeah, that kind of has like a little ring to it. Right. It kind of just, you know, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that, that's good. <laughs> Let's go with that. You see that. Okay. But then, um, there's something that continues to, um, come to the surface 
when you look at this Pew Research data from a May 6th survey of Americans. So this this information is supposed to be uh, representative of where we are in this country. And, mm-hmm. and of course, as Pew does, it's broken down by your political affiliation, your ethnicity, your age, um, and then your religious affiliation. So you've got all of those different um, those um, factors. There's another word I'm looking for. Demographics <laughs> uh, represented there. And, and, and that's great. But even among the Christians, so in all of those different areas where we would define ourselves, you've got the the respondents who continually come back to this phrase. And so I think that I think it might be better to title the show this with this phrase here, um, because I strangely, it also found its way in the description of the Christian that Mm. was like uh, surveyed. And that phrase was, it depends. Mm. It depends. And and so we're going to talk about that. And, okay. and, and I just I just want I just want us to really kind of just think for a second. And so I'm not going to be as <laughs> as I often am sort of hurried and wanting to just I just want to share all this information. I really just want to stop for a second. And, and I want each of us to be able to to conduct our own survey, our own personal survey on the issue on the topic of abortion. Do we have that type of phrasing in our mind and our heart Mm. is that our heart that we would say well you know it depends it depends are we settled on the authority of god to determine the value and the worth of life and to root that value and that worth in his image being in those people that he has created (laughs) like because let's remember he does not put the value in the people he has created because of where they live or because of the skin tone or their ability to produce all of these different shades. Sorry, Ken, but it's not, that's not where we derive our value, right? Right. Right. There's something that is unchangeable or immutable about the value of a human being Mm -hmm. that God roots in the fact that he put his mark in us. Mm. We are made in his image. This is something that doesn't change based on the continent that you're born on. It doesn't change based on the country, um, your country of origin, the language that you speak. You are made in the image of God. And it was so from the beginning. And this is, this is, uh, reiterated even after the flood, right? Um, it's important that we recognize that. And yet, in this conversation, you would still get from Christians, from Christians on the question of abortion, you would still get, it depends. It mm. depends. And and so 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 that bothers me just a little bit. But I'm willing to be charitable in the way we talk about this because I think there is room, always room, for Christians to grow. Yeah. Right? There, there's always room for Christians to see ourselves and recognize that we have a deficit and to cry out for the mercy of God. Amen. That we Amen. would be renewed, right? Amen. That that our minds would be changed. And I, I think part of the problem. When we talk about God judging a nation, I really do believe part of the problem 
is the position of the church or the position of God's people in any given culture at any given time. I have said before that I thought the judgment of God on our country um, as expressed in the Civil War over the issue of slavery was not so much because you have a nation that has slaves as much as it was over the church that split and that divided over the question of slavery, mm. that the spirit of God was um, was quenched, mm. right, grieved among God's people over this question. And I think I think that the same is true on the topic of slave of, of abortion. Mm-hmm. The same is true. We would like to think that um, the pagans among us are offering their babies to Moloch. And we find a little bit of comfort in that. We're kind of like, you know, oh, these people who they forget God and they deny God. And look at what they're they're offering their babies to Moloch, you know, mm. on the altar of sacrifice. We have said these things. But what happened? What kind of indignation did we discover when God's people were doing the same thing? Mm. Yeah. Not just the pagans in the right. nations that the Lord said, I'm driving them out. But but God's burning right wrath. His his right righteous anger um, was not held back when his people were doing the very things that the nations that he had driven out were doing. <laughs> so there there is a little bit of sort of a um, there's a little bit of a conflict there that we say, well, the Lord brought us into this land, this land that we call America. And the Lord um, at every turn gave us victory <laughs> and the Lord blessed this land yeah. and and the Lord, you know, allowed this land to be fruitful. And, and we see so many parallels and, and we love these parallels. We read about our history and we look at what God has done. But then at the same time, we say, OK, but the Lord brought you into this land. It's a very fruitful land, mm-hmm. but you act like you don't know the God who gave it to you. Man. <laughs> right. Yes. And so. So so here we find ourselves in in more parallels than one looking like the people that we read about in the Old Testament. That's right. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 you know, it, it relates. You know, when we yeah. when we look at how God dealt with his people, you know, Israel and the things that he brought them through, it was to test them and prove them to show them that he is their God. But then he would warn them and tell them, mm-hmm. if you turn away from me. Man, and if and serve the gods of 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 the land, you yes. know, then it won't be well. It won't it won't go well for you. And so it's the same thing. I think we can relate it even to our country in a similar mm-hmm. fashion. Not that we are, you know, Israel, but mm-hmm. in the, in the sense of man, this this nation was birthed, you know, with biblical principles, and it's it's documented and written down by the founders, you know, how yes. they relied upon yes. God, the conviction, the conviction, you know, and again, not that they were perfect or anything like that, but man, it's, it's clearly stated. But mm-hmm. when you have a, a nation that turns away, you know, and go after the gods mm. of the land. Yes. This is what yes. we experience right now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and I maintain that the judgment of God is his love for mm-hmm. humanity. Mm-hmm. When when God brings about his justice, when he judges a matter, that is love. You you know, yeah. you think about yourself as a parent that when you have to discipline your children or when you have to correct your children, you don't have you don't you don't stop loving them. In fact, right. it is the case that right. you discipline them because you love them, Amen. right? That you step in, you say no, you cannot because you love them. And so you can see this, you know, 
with the Lord, with his people, and even today with those of us who are following the Lord, those of us who are filled with his spirit, right? Who, who comes to indwell us at the point that we are converted. This is very important. This, this anyway. Um, <laughs> so God chastises us. Hmm. He says, he says to us, um, in a sense, you know, when we are outraged over the things that we see happening and we're like, you know, let me at them. Like, why are they doing this? Why are they killing innocent babies? You know, in, in a sense, um, God sort of, you know, um, and excuse the comparison, but, but in a, in wording that we would be able to understand kind of becomes like a, a Nathan. Well, you guys are the man. Mm. You're, you know, we're outraged. We hear the stories yeah. and we're like, they're just killing babies and they're just killing. And, and, and <laughs> I believe, think about this, you know, when we talk about Christians and how they feel about abortion and mm-hmm. how, you know, in these anonymous surveys, it's, you know, and, and sometimes very openly, as we know, yeah. um, Christians are able to say, well, it just depends. Mm. I don't, you know, it just depends on what the situation is. Um, if the baby's going to be born with a birth defect, then yeah, if it's, if it's rape or incest, then yeah, even up to 24 weeks. Sure. I would say, I would say. Um, and then there's some Christians who are like, I don't know that I can list the cases where it would be, um, that where, where it should be legal to abort mm-hmm. a baby at mm-hmm. any point. Uh, there are the Christians who would say it depends and then just leave it that way, mm. which means, so we give it back to the people, you know, we give it, we, yeah. we give it back to the mother. It depends. Well, does she think she has to do that? Does, does she does she feel like she really needs to do that? And and in some ways it depends. And so then what we do is we take the person and make the person the authority over and, and above God. God is not the authority we, we give. The authority comes back to man. So this is um, this is this sort of uh, self-governing um, autonomous living that we that we love, that we crave um, because we want to be God. Hmm. And nobody would say that, but that's that's what it looks like. But I think the scriptures show us something very clear that we are designed to follow. We are designed to follow Uh, Matthew chapter nine, verse nine. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth and he said to him, follow me, follow me. And he rose and he followed him. Hmm. Mark chapter one. Verses uh, 14 through 20. And I hear the music. I know I'm not going to have time to get into all of this. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And as you continue on, the Lord is calling his disciples. And and how is he calling them? What is the manner in which he's calling them? He's saying, follow me, follow me. Mm -hmm. And all of this is very intentional. We'll grab the break. Aaron, the Addison's stay right there. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's the ambassador with Nothing Like Us. And I just want to say, uh, if you haven't registered for the Marriage Family Life Conference, please do. Uh, Registration Mm -hmm. is closing on May 15th. So go to marriagefamilylife.net, marriagefamilylife.net, get all information and to register there. 
Very good. Very good. MarriageFamilyLife.net. Um, so today's uh, program, it depends. It depends. <laughs> Or or designed to follow built to lead. I don't know. Will the great? You just will whatever you decide. <laughs> whatever you decide, okay. we'll just leave it up to you. And people All will right. see when they go to get the podcast. Um, so this idea, this this question of it depending, right? Mm-hmm. So are we going to follow God, or does it depend? Is this something that Jesus addressed? So we're talking about how um, this call to follow Jesus, right? This is very intentional. Um, follow me, follow me. Mm -hmm. But there's another portion of scripture where you see Jesus calling a couple individuals, but they have a sort of a, it depends response. Uh, They have a sort of a, it depends response. Ah, Right. Okay. And so, so what, so what happens? So they're sort of like, well, it depends. It depends. And the response of Jesus to these individuals is um, no, it doesn't. It doesn't depend, you know, <laughs> no, it absolutely does said, not depend, me. right? <laughs> Follow me. Okay. And, and so in other words, how are we to understand this? What would the original hearers have understood um, in this exchange that you follow me? You don't get to determine how you follow me or whether or not you follow me or the manner in which you follow me. You follow me. That is a complete statement. Follow me, period. Follow me. Right. Period. And I, and I mean that as like the punctuation mark. Follow me. Yeah. Period. That's it. Right. So in Luke chapter nine, this is really interesting. And this is this is for the Christian who's sort of like it depends. It depends. You know, I don't I mean, I, there, there are things that we must consider and they all turn British when they say that <laughs> the things that we must consider before we decide if we're going to just follow Jesus. Right. Jesus says no. So Luke chapter nine. Um, verse, I'm going to start at verse 57. This is really interesting. And we, we are familiar with this exchange, but it's amazing how, um, the Holy spirit allows you to read these things. And as you're reading them and you want to keep them in their context, you're able to see that this heart that is present, the heart that is revealed here in this exchange is the heart that still beats in the chest of mankind today, right? It's still sort of like the condition of following Christ. Mm. I will come after you, but first, yeah. Okay. But yeah. It depends, right? Hmm. Luke chapter nine, verse 57. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. To another, he said, follow me. By the way, complete statement. Follow me, period. That's what it says. Okay, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. (laughs) Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. So basically, what what is Jesus saying? Well, it costs to follow me. Mm. (laughs) Okay, you're going to, it's going to, you have to pay, it's going to, you're going to give up something to follow me. Right. And this is why I don't like and I understand what churches mean on the marquees when they say free trip to heaven details inside. We've all seen it. And I I bristle at that. Oh, I just I I really think that if you want to be clever, I think a better um, marquee sign is all expense paid trip Mm. to heaven Mm. details inside because it it did cost. Right. It did cost something. You're not just going for free. Um, It costs to follow Jesus Christ. It costs to follow him. It, it costs to bear the name Christian, to, to wear that as your identity. The problem is in our current cultural context, 
what we have discovered is a way to both be a Christian and to lose nothing. So we we are not acquainted with this type of suffering for bearing the name Christian, although increasingly we're going to see that we're going to see exactly what that looks like. Um, again, I want to um, refer to another passage of scripture in Luke chapter 11, Luke chapter 11, verses 33 and 36. Um, no one after lighting a lamp puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. Uh, when your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. Mm. Come on, guys. All right. Uh, verse 36. If then <laughs> your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. Mm. Um, so the expectation is that those of us who are following the Lord Jesus Christ, that we will be light in any cultural context. Right. That we will that we will glorify God, that we will draw attention to God. We will in our living put Christ on display. Amen. This is this is what it is to live for the glory of God. It was um, it was John Piper who many years ago had a really good uh, description of what the glory of God is. And it's so simple. And, and I b have been able to memorize it. And so we try to teach it to our kids just to think in terms of what it means when you say you want to live for the glory of God. Uh, John Piper years ago described the glory of God as the going public with who he is. This is God showing it's, it's him going public, like saying, this is who I am, the glory of God, right? The glory of God fills the earth, the going public of who God is. This is the God who self discloses. So then when you think of it in those terms and you say that we are made for the glory of God, we are made so that God might go public mm. with who he is. I, right. I think, <laughs> think about that. Man. So then we say we're made for the glory of God. And then we say we live for the glory of God. Okay. So we live so that God might go public with who yeah. he is through our life. Right. So how is there room in this understanding for us to approach issues where God has clearly spoken? Mm -hmm. This is God has clearly spoken. Clearly spoken on the sanctity of life. On the preciousness and the value and the worth and the dignity of life. How could we be going public with who God is mm -hmm. to respond to the question of whether or not life should be valued 100% of the time to say it depends. Hmm. Is God glorified in that? Does, does God go public through you in that response? I, I just, I, I just don't see how that's possible because when you are saying something other than what God is saying, you're, you are actually muting the glory of God. You, you, you actually kind of like muffle that you you put it under a bushel so could you put it under a basket could the problem be not uh no knowing what the word says or just not adhering because of the cultural pressures mm. or you know around mm -hmm. to capitulate to what's going on yeah you know because it's it is very clear and so mm -hmm. if we are his right and we're we're mm -hmm. then you know we should stick to what he says so why why is it even s such a hard thing you know, mm -hmm. you, th you think it's because of people just not really knowing or it's just it's so hard in this culture to do that. I, I think it's both of what you what you just said. Mm. I think it's both. I, I think there is a um, biblical ignorance that is glaring in our culture today, even mm. among professing Christians. Um, and then I think that there is such um, a cultural exaltation 
that we exalt the culture so much mm. that even if we were to be made aware of what is in scripture, we would then check to see if it fits our cultural context first. Ouch. Like we, we wouldn't go to the scriptures and then be shaped by the scriptures first. We would shape the, the scriptures to fit the culture. Mm. And so I think it's a combination of both of those things. And, and maybe there may be, there, there may be other things indeed yeah. that, that would be present. Um, and <clears throat> excuse me, in the last segment, we'll open the phone lines up and maybe some of our listeners have some insight on that as well. I'd be curious to hear it. But I, I do. I, I think it's those things. Certainly, I yeah. think there's biblical uh, illiteracy. And and then I think there is cultural um, pressure, pressure. Yeah. Yeah. And and affinity, affinity. Mm. We we love so this love world. world. Yeah. Mm. <clears throat> Excuse me. I was I was joking with the kids the other night because there are very few things we were trying to, you know, watch a documentary on animals and <laughs> and man, you're just going through the documentaries and, yeah. and all these different things. And, and in order to do that, you got to keep your hand, even when you're watching something that's streaming, yeah. because now they just pop on commercials at random right. and you're just like, ah, there was, you remember the, you remember, are you old enough? To, <laughs> <laughs> you used to just watch and you know, people need to get paid and that's fine, you know, but so now you got to, and so I was joking with them because, you know, when things like that happen, they know their mom, they know how I am. And I'm like, you know, I hate this world, a poem by Mickey Addison. <laughs> That's just how I feel about it. Like, I just, like, ah, you know, just it's just such a vexation to yeah. me. So yeah. I think some of it is also a love for this world and, and, mm. and an inability to think that, um, that, that this world could be in conflict with Man. God's word. Man, you know what I mean? And you know, it's, it's yeah. a point you made a while back, you know, that, man, when we look back, when we are in the presence of God, you know, and see the things that we so quote unquote gave up, you know, mm -hmm. man, is he's worth it all. Like, Amen. I think there's a, a lack of seeing that now, you know, yeah. in the context that we live in and, you know, uh, this life. And, and we we don't realize day to day that these things that we're saying no to these things yeah. that we are saying, you know, uh, uh, walking away from or agreeing mm -hmm. with God when the world is saying something different, you know, he's worthy of it. You know, yeah. and I think a lot I of times we don't catch that at all, Yeah, at all. I, I think that <clears throat> you've got a lot of people who would look at themselves as leaders. Mm -hmm. They would look at themselves as leaders. But closer examination really reveals that they are followers who um, are maybe loud. You know what I mean? Hmm. <laughs> so they think that they're wow. leading their followers who loud are just followers. kind of loud, you know, <laughs> loud followers. OK. And so it seems like they are doing the what we call in our culture today, the brave thing and, and mm. all of that. But they're really just followers. It's like right. the popular kids in, in high school. They appeared to be the leaders, but really they were a group of followers, because if you mm. think about it, they were told who they could talk to. They were told who could be, you know, they could be associated with. Right. And they adhered to that. You know, right. uh, to the to the hurt and the destruction of their peers, they adhered to that because it appeared that they were leading when mm. really they were they were following. And so yeah. it's a you know, it's a thing where you but you feel like you're you know, you're <laughs> you're somebody, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And and so I think we see this all across our culture. But let's look at this Pew Research study here. Mm -hmm. And I know um, or this 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 survey that that was conducted. Um, I know we're not going to get to get 
through all of the information. And as is the case, I highlighted way more than we're going to be able to break down. But let's just start somewhere and see where we end up. A majority of U.S. adults continue to say that abortion should be legal in all or most cases. A majority of U.S. adults continue to say that abortion should be legal in all or most cases cases. About six in 10 Americans, that's 61%. So I thought about Sonny Hostin here, um, say abortion should be legal in all or most cases, while 37% think abortion should be illegal in all or most cases. These views have changed little over the past several years. In 2019, for example, 61% of adults said abortion should be legal in all or most cases, while 38% said it should be illegal in all or most cases. So you have a little bit of a drop off (laughs) as far as like what is good um, over the years. Uh, Most respondents in the new survey took one of the middle options when first asked about their views on abortion, saying either that abortion should be legal in most cases, 36%, or illegal in most cases, 27%. I'm going to break that down because we can get lost in a a bunch of numbers. Of course, I'm prepared to offer some commentary, as is often (laughs) my thing. All right. Respondents who said abortion should, um, should either be legal in all cases. Now, this is important. Respondents who said abortion should either be legal in all cases or illegal in all cases received a follow up question asking whether there should be any exception to such laws. Overall, 25 percent of adults initially said abortion should be legal in all cases, but a quarter of this group. So that's about six percent of U.S. adults, six mm-hmm. percent of Americans went on to say that there should be some exceptions Um, for when abortion should be against the law. There should be some exceptions to when abortion should be against the law. One in 10 adults initially answered that abortion should be illegal. One in 10 adults initially answered that abortion should be illegal in all cases. But about one in five of these respondents, that's 2% of U.S. adults, followed up by saying that there are some exceptions Mm. when abortion should be permitted. So it really seems like most people, even even those people who are staunch, they would say, you know, in all cases, abortion should be illegal. They still have the it depends there. Mm. There there may be some cases where, you know, we just we just right. we, we might just need to do that. We might just need to um, <laughs> murder the baby. You know, yeah. now let me I want to scroll down here just a little bit because um Looking at religious affili- religious affiliation is one of the things that I pay close attention to because I think, you know, w- when we talk to Christians, we want to talk to the Christians that respond to these surveys, right? Mm-hmm. Um, views toward abortion also vary considerably by religious affiliation, specifically among large Christian subgroups and religiously unaffiliated Americans. Okay, so here we go. For example... Roughly three quarters of white evangelical Protestants say abortion should be illegal in all or most cases. This is far higher than the share of white non-evangelical Protestants at 38 percent or black Protestants, 28 percent, who say the same. So 28 percent of black Protestants, 38 percent of white Protestants say that Abortion should be illegal in all or most cases. The highest majority of of, um, the surveyed group, um, three quarters 
white evangelical Protestants say that abortion should be illegal in all or most cases. And this is interesting because Pew even points this out. Despite Catholic teaching on abortion, a slim majority of U.S. Catholics, 56 percent, say abortion should be legal. 56 percent of the Catholics say abortion should be legal. Wow. That's really, really interesting. All right. We got to grab the break. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll come right back. Stay there. You go before I know that you've even gone to win my war. Your love becomes my greatest defense. It leads me from the dry Regardless of partisan affiliation, adults who say they personally know someone who has had an abortion, such as a friend, a relative, or even themselves, they are more likely to say abortion should be legal than those who say they do not know anyone who has had an abortion. Hmm. It's interesting. I think that so much of what we discuss in popular culture today kind of um, revolves around people's personal experiences. You know, if God says something they weigh that in light of what they think or feel or what they have experienced. And then they determine that what God said simply can't be true because I, right? So like what God said, I I just can't see how God expects us to do this when I, Hmm. or when we, or, you know, I have a child. And and so this becomes a huge impediment, which the Bible even, um, sort of gives an, an Old Testament uh, way <laughs> yeah. of, of dealing with that yeah. um, that I think you see uh, reiterated in the New Testament context, which is to disfellowship, mm-hmm. right? So that you do not have these things that draw you away from the Lord. All right, I'm going to open the phone lines, 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840, compared with Christians and continuing looking at this. So, um, and I, I want to make sure that I read the spot where... Um, there's an area of this survey where you repeatedly see it depends, it depends. And I'm going to scroll down until I find that because that just continued to jump, to jump out at me. Like it depends, it yeah. depends. And, and this question of, uh, you know, I'm thinking, and by the way, we'll put a link to this, uh, this Pew survey um, in the show notes so that you can look at it and read it in its entirety. It's, it's several pages long. Um, but, but I think it's very telling um, about where we are now. Mm-hmm. Let me let me also read this because I thought that this was important. And I think this tells us probably a lot of what we need to know about the abortion discussion. So when we talk about the religious affiliate or the religious affiliations that people hold, even or even those who don't hold any type of religious affiliation. So this is um, in the report here in the survey compared with Christians, mm-hmm. religiously unaffiliated adults are far far more likely to say abortion should be legal overall and significantly more inclined to say it should be legal in all cases without exception. Mm-hmm. This is the religiously unaffiliated, which I think, again, is very telling, right? Within this group, atheists stand out. 97% say abortion should be legal, including 53% who say it should be legal in all cases without exception. So this is in the category of, you know, just make the baby comfortable. If the mom decides even after birth that, you know, just, Mm -hmm. just keep it comfortable until, you know, 
Agnostics and those who describe their religion as nothing in particular also overwhelmingly say that abortion should be legal, but they are more likely than atheists to say that there are some circumstances when abortion should be against the law. So those, in other words, those who just don't know whether or not there's a God, which the Bible says they don't exist. <laughs> the Bible says that those people don't exist. The atheists are lying and the agnostics are not real. <laughs> okay. Right. Be because the Bible says that they're without excuse, that God has made himself plain, right? Mm -hmm. He has revealed who he is. Um, but the agnostics say, you know, we don't know if there's a God or not. And they have just a little bit of um, morality than the, um, than the atheists, those who lie about the existence of God. I think that's really interesting. I want to weave in some of your phone calls. And while we're doing that, I want to find, I want to find the section of this, of this uh, survey where um, people keep going back to, it depends. I can see it here, but I want to make sure that we, um, we read it in context. Will the great, where do we go first? All right, let's go to Dennis in Mississippi. Hi, Dennis. My brother and my sister, what a pleasure, pleasure and a privilege it is to talk to you. God oh, bless you, you, brother. Uh, First, I want to tell that 41, 42 years ago, I was involved in an abortion. Obviously, mm -hmm. I didn't have one myself, mm -hmm. but I had a relationship with a young lady who got pregnant. She had an abortion. I did not try to discourage her. I just sort of just went on with it and never thought twice about it. Mm -hmm. The Lord has forgiven me for that, but it mm -hmm. haunts me every day. Mm -hmm. It haunts me every day. Now, I want to give you my opinion on abortion. Sure. I think it should be illegal in every single case. Mm -hmm. Now, I used to have an opinion only if the mother's life was in danger, you know, uh, stating the fact, well, she may have other children, and et cetera, et cetera. But the Spirit has really been dealing with me about this. If the Lord takes that mother's life, don't you think he's going to make sure those children are going to be taken care of? Mm -hmm. And that's, and that's just my opinion. I mm -hmm. think it should be illegal in every case. Yeah. And I just, and uh, I, I thank y'all for y'all for what y'all do, brother and sister. God, uh, bless, God bless you, brother. You, I really thank appreciate you. you sharing your testimony. Praise God for his forgiveness. You know, you think of the Apostle Paul, who it seems in um, so much of what he writes in his letters to the church, it seems that. Um, there was a little bit of a, excuse the expression, but a haunting of the life that he lived, mm, you know, and, and yeah. persecuting the church. Um, but over and over and over, he comes back to this amazing grace mm. um, that has, has been uh, expressed toward him. And man, we, we don't deserve it. And so I just want to say, praise God, you are forgiven. And that is Amen. so important for us to rest in that, um, that the sacrifice of Jesus Christ is sufficient to wash away all of our sin the stain mm. of our sin to wash us completely. I will say this to our brother Dennis. I think praise God for the position that you've arrived at, but I think you'd be hard pressed to find that a woman is in childbirth. And I want you to think about this because our culture kind of throws out these phrases, you know, in, in situation of the life of the mother. And I want you to think what could possibly be a situation where a mom is dying in childbirth. Think about this. And the way to save her is kill the baby. Think about that. Like what, what would be the situation there? Like where a mom is, is dying or there, mm -hmm. there is some sort of emergency where in order to save the mother, you've got to kill the baby. Now I understand an early delivery, mm -hmm. 
Okay. And so you're going to need some emergency care for this baby, right? And emergency care for the mom. But any doctor would say, I've got two patients. I've got Mm. two patients right here on the spot. I've got two people who are made in the image of God, who I've got to care for. Mm -hmm. Not one of them is expendable where we just are like, yeah, you know, like, and, and what kind of situation would we be in where we'd have a mom who, you know, something is happening. The mom is, is suffering and she's delivering the baby, but now we got to kill it. Yeah. It's, you know, she's perishing. We got to kill the baby. Like think about, we, we just, we don't have situations like that, you know, but I think that a lot of our, our, you know, the talking points that we hear from people who push this lie would have us think that these are the types of things that we should be concerned with, that we should be thinking that these could happen. There's a question that was in the cherubin or in the chat. <laughs> uh, it says, uh, what would we say about an ectopic pregnancy? Yeah, and that's a great question. I think that is one of those situations where you have a baby that is developing in the fallopian tubes, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if I, and I'm not, I'm not a medical doctor, so I don't know how doctors handle this situation. But if I understand correctly, that baby doesn't survive Anyway, right? Like you have, you mm-hmm. would have what would be called a spontaneous abortion. Um, maybe we shouldn't use the word abortion. I would say miscarriage. Oh, yeah. and also to to clarify, when I said we have seven kids, we miscarried a baby, um, our first baby, the baby before Mariah, we miscarried. And so, you know, it's it's amazing though because when you miscarry a child, you you don't say, you know, oh my goodness, we just lost this collection of cells. Right. You, you don't <laughs> right. like nobody grieves no. that way. You know, you, you miscarry a child, you miscarry a, a baby. Um, but I would I would say, so what would what would the doc? I don't know what the procedure is for that. And so I don't want to speak out of my ignorance. I'm mm-hmm. not a medical doctor. I don't know how a doctor would handle that. Um, I, I thought it was my understanding that that pregnancy doesn't thrive. No, like the, it, it, the yeah, egg has viable. to be planted in the uterus. It's right. not a viable pregnancy anyway. Right. Um, so. I just, I guess I hadn't historically thought of that as you got to go in and kill the baby. Mm -hmm. I thought that that baby was not a viable pregnancy. Um, Somebody can correct me on that. You can call in and Sherry B will push you to the front. Um, That's a great question. But again, these are not the questions that we're discussing in pop culture. Can I just (laughs) say that? Like the the majority of the women who are going in to Mm -hmm. um, have abortions are not having abortions because their lives are in it's danger. Selfish reasons. It's just, yeah, they don't want a baby right now. Mm-hmm. They, they don't, they can't afford a baby right now. It would interfere with their careers or their education. Um, they have and, enough children. And the big thing is they don't want a baby right now, but they don't want to stop doing what they're doing. That would <laughs> create a baby, you know, as we already we established wanna... is not handmaid's tale, by the way, <laughs> exactly. that's, that is, total full your choice you are you are engaging in that activity i think it's just it's really sad where we are in our in our in our um cultural understanding of the value of life um i think what you see people often digging for and searching for are all the reasons why we can operate against god's authority Mm. but what about in this case Mm -hmm. but what about here you Mm -hmm. know um rather than say (laughs) god has spoken right and i I trust him god has spoken right you know right um all right well the great where do we go next all right, let's go to Tony in South Dakota. Hi, Tony. Hey, Will and Mickey. Mm-hmm. Hello. Uh, first, let me say I really appreciate you guys' show. I I I call in every once in a great while, but uh, I love to listen to you guys, and I'm thankful that you guys 
actually filter all of these things through the Word of God, because that's mm-hmm. first and foremost. So um, full disclosure, I'm actually current sitting representative for the state of South Dakota. So um, I love being able to, you know, have or hear you guys filter these things, things through it, because it actually helps solidify me even more mm-hmm. on where I stand. Um, so there's a lot. So I'm going to see if I can't narrow down what I'd like to say. So for, first thing I want to say is, as I as I contemplate the idea of a piece of abortion legislation, this whole idea of, you know, in in the the exception in the case of um, saving the life of the mother, mm-hmm. the first thing I think about is that I think is a talking point created by um, the the people who were fighting abortion, but trying to create a way to get something passed mm. that would make me people feel better. Mm. Okay. Wow. Okay, so that's the first part. Mm-hmm. But from there, I think about it from the standpoint of um, that's already covered in the doctor's Hippocratic Oath. So why do I need to vote for a piece of legislation that opens That's the door so good. to continue killing babies when the doctor's supposed to take care of that portion. Mm. Okay. Second That's thing, great. Second yeah. thing, I'll try to be as quick as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when, so in America, we have a society, a culture that's designed specifically and interacts and co- coincides with the type of government we have. Mm-hmm. So the government's supposed to be limited and the people are supposed to be more free based on um, that type of freedom the Bible talks about as far as the personal responsibility that requ- that's required. Well, we're missing that personal responsibility. We're missing the idea that the self-government is what I call it. It's needed to operate in a society like ours. Mm. So <laughs> when the farther away, the farther we get away from the things of God, the farther the laws of man gets away from the laws of God, then the human nature that, well, back in in Genesis where the Lord said, where he said, I will never again destroy the earth with a flood, Mm -hmm. because, and this is interesting, when I read, you read this, it says, because the heart of man is evil from his youth. So in other words, Mm -hmm. the Lord would have to turn around and destroy the earth again and again and again because man's not changing his heart is evil Mm. from his youth so without the word of god in our society even amongst those who are unbelievers because years and years ago we had a society that still honored the things of god Mm -hmm. and so even unbelievers Mm -hmm. would say no abortion's not okay Mm -hmm. but we don't have that now right so the restraints are off anyway um, I could keep talking because, hey, that's what politicians do, right? <laughs> I appreciate no, it. Really. Thank you. Uh, no, thank God you. bless you, Tony. Thank I you, Tony. Man, I, I really appreciate those clearly laid out points. And, and, and I appreciate um, just sort of I, – I think there are some conversations where we do have to take our time. And we do have to think I, – I really love the point. If I, could, I think it's the second point. Um, that our brother Tony was making where you mm-hmm. talk about the doctor's um, oath, Hippocratic oath to do no harm. Right. Right. Like right. To, to say you're so 
but why like think about where we are now yeah that we have to go back to that and remind doctors to do no harm <laughs> it's almost like because we have wow. a culture that has so normalized mm -hmm. harm and called it health care right that we have to we have to say no let's get back to the original definition of what it what of what it is what healthcare right. really is right right that when you are treating a pregnant woman not a pregnant person when you are treating a pregnant woman that you have two patients involved amen. both that you're obligated to do no harm to amen all right we are out of time until tomorrow lord willing god bless